the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader right at the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Isles. And I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the podcast that's sharper than Aaron Morley's right foot, dressed in an Armani suit, sipping a triple espresso. And on the show this week, it's Happy Valley. Wanderers chalk up another win at Charlton. Window dressing, six signings in January. What do we make of them? Dear John, Declan's back from the dead. Hurrah! Do Bolton really want promotion? Your emails answered. But first, can I flag up to you a very special football tournament going on this Sunday, that's February the 5th, at Darwin Football Club. The Generation Cup pits teams who competed in the first 10 years of the FA Cup against each other with players across the age spectrum building towards a grand final to be played at St George's Park FA headquarters later this year Wanderers are scheduled to have a team and there will also be a Turton FC team managed by Craig and Sam Allardyce Um, other clubs that are involved Preston, uh, Ramblers, Blackpool host Darwin it's going to be a really fun event there's loads of ex-footballers due to be involved and while at the minute I can't confirm the Bolton team as things stand I've heard there are a few big names that are due to lace on their boots again. You might want to nip down there on Sunday if you're at a loose end. Keep an eye on Darwin FC's Twitter page for the very latest news. But kickoff time for the Bolton games on Sunday is 3.30pm and 4.45pm. It's £3 for adults to get in, £1 for concessions. Go down, support the lads, get some pictures and autographs. Decent way to spend the Sunday if you ask me. Okay, it's time to introduce my co-host for this podcast and a man who swears that this week he saw Miguel Veloso playing air hockey in Hollywood Bowl with Leroy Lita. It's Henry Hewitt. Yes, uh, Lita won 10 games to nine. Uh, they were waiting for the phone call from Chris Markham. It never came, so they've now gone off, gone off into the transfer deadline wilderness to return in August. Until next time, chaps, until next time. They just, they loiter on Middlebrook every year, hoping to be spotted by Bolton fans and uh, then drift off into the mist. God knows what they do in between. But uh, Hmm. yes, uh, it's over and done with, thankfully, transfer deadline. In fact, we'll talk about that in a bit. Let's start with the football rather than the transfers. It's February. This is is what I like about February. It's, It's football time now. Um, but we've got something to be pleased about. Great performance at Charlton, on the telly, everybody saw it. What, what a game. Yeah, it was. I thought they played very well. And, um, you know, apart from 20 seconds uh, at the start of the second half, and maybe that one, that other chance, that other guy, had we put it wide? I think they were, they were quite, I don't know, quite settled. I don't think Trafford had much to do, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's a good, it's a, it's a happy hunting ground, isn't it? The valley we we've done well there over the years. Yeah, it's the, there's been a few good performances down the years. Um, I mean, got got off to the absolute best possible start with Morley's free kick. How many times have you watched it now? On the on the Wilbraham scale to the you know losing six nil at Hull scale, it's probably <laughs> a lot closer to the Wilbraham uh, goal against Forest scale. But uh, yeah, it was. I, I've seen. 
I've seen different angles of it. I've seen, um, you know, where there's no commentary, so you can really hear it hit the post. I've seen where you can, uh, you know, where it's um, the the uh, the the Sky commentary, the EFL mm-hmm. commentary. Brilliant. Yeah, it was such a fantastic goal. I mean, you were there on the telly. It looks far out. Did you think it like? Were you watching it live? Going, what are you doing, Aaron? Why are you shooting from there? No, I, I'm. I I knew he was going to have a go. I mean, I, I, it, it looked straight away like he was going to be shaping up for it. It did look a bit far out, but I I've got to be honest. I was barely settled into the press box. It, you know, barely sort of sort because I'm doing match day live at the same time and I'm doing all my notes at the same time. So I was I was barely even in my seat by the time he scored that goal. Um, and it was just, it was tremendous. I don't think the Bolton fans, there was a delay as well. It was, I don't know if it was a, an auditory one or it was just kind of the reactions from the Bolton fans, but the Morley hit it, it hit the post, went into the net, and then it was like two or three seconds later, the Bolton fans to the right of me on the, in the press box sort of ignited. It was bizarre. And then I keep on getting reports that the uh, the flash scores or, or the one of the, the apps that give you the up-to-date scores actually reported the goal before it happened. Did you get that? Uh, no, I have my phone on Do Not Disturb uh, during the game, and that's pro- that's normally if I'm watching it on iFollow because obviously we're a bit behind. Mm. Um, so I, I just get into that habit anyway. Uh, but yeah, I did see that. I saw. Um, I think it was on Fogden's vlog as well that he um, his dad pointed it out and said like they've told me we've scored before it which uh yeah incredible um yeah it's uh it's it must have been so weird because normally when you get those updates you nod at the game so you get the update oh brilliant they've scored but to get an update and go are we in delay live are we in delay at the actual ground um but yeah incredible that they did that yeah when they say they knew it was a goal from the minute they it hit it left his foot rather so maybe the guy, whoever is doing those flash scores, I'd love to know who actually does them as well because I don't, I've, I've never bumped into a bloke whose whose job it was to do that sort of thing. But from the minute, for the minute, he even shaped up to take the free kick, he knew so well he was going to score. He's like, "This is going in. I'm, I'm sending this. I'm, I'm pinning my colours to the master right now. This is going in." <laughs> and and sure enough, he did. You imagine if it hit the post and then came back out again, he'd be like, "Oh no." Yeah, um, yeah, cancel it, cancel it, cancel it. But no, it was, um, yeah, it was a brilliant free kick. And uh, I mean, would you say, I mean, we've we've scored some. We we don't necessarily score belters like that. We score more, um, you know, like the Barnsley goal. You know, when there's loads of passing, is, is that going to be our goal of a season? Are you uh, pinning your colours to that mass now? I I'd be amazed if there's one that beats that. I really would be amazed because. Everything, it was technically perfect. It hit the post. No no keeper in the land is going to save that. Um, there are a lot of good team goals. I, I think I'd be interested to know how the shortlist goes because I think Ian Everett favours his team goals. I would imagine that he'd, uh, he'd, he'd quite fancy uh, you know a 37-pass, multi-layered, <laughs> back-to-front type of job above uh, an Aaron Morley free kick from 25 yards. But uh, I don't know. I mean... I, you never know, do you? Any any goal that wins something at Wembley is bound to be goal of the season for me. I, I'm, all, I'm more of an importance guy. I think if you hit them from distance, there's a bit of a lottery involved in it. And whilst some players are obviously better than others at it, I think uh, I think there is always an element of chance to it. I, I think probably team goals are more of, more of a purist type of goal. But for me, um, you know, a, 
a, a, a thunderous volley or something with a with a bit of technique to it would would eclipse that. So if that could happen at Wembley, then I'll take that all day long. Oh, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Yeah, it, uh, it was a good game. It was a good game. But I tell you what, Shola Shortire, when he came into the building, there were Bolton fans that were a little bit lukewarm on him. And I know some of that was to do with the fact that his announcement was made on the same day as Dapwa Flying left. So I think feelings were all up in the air a little bit. But mm. you watch that first half and you can see perhaps what Ian Everett was on about when he said there might be an exciting player in the building. Personally, I thought it was a fantastic show. Yeah, he, um, he, I think his, his awareness, his 360, the way he plays, he's, he's, he can play with his back to goal, but then he, he's just attacking. That's his first, uh, you know, thought, and he gets in the box. And, um, and yeah, he looks a, a top, top player. And, um, you know, it's another... I think at the moment he is going to go into the category of the Bradleys and Traffords of this world, but um, you know in terms of how good he is. But uh, yeah, it was a shame he came. Well, it was a shame he came off. But I also I was happy to see the, the two new signings, um, Jerome and Adibiejo. So uh, I, I didn't mind too much. But um, yeah, he's definitely one who uh, has started really well, and um, he's, he has given Ian Ever a bit of a, a headache because. You know, we thought that sort of midfield three of Morley, Lee and uh, Dempsey um, with the two up front being Charles and then one of our new strikers mm. was settled. But you're going to have to fit him in the team at somewhere. Yeah, it's interesting, that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping this back injury that forced him off isn't going to be too bad, doesn't keep him out for too long because I think he was he was signed to play against teams like Cheltenham who Bolton have got on Saturday, the, the kind of the deeper lying ones, some somebody that can run with the ball and somebody who can... Uh, unlock the defences a little bit so um, fingers crossed he does uh, come through from that one but he impressed me I do like him he looks like an intelligent footballer he's dropping into spaces that it feels like something fresh because it's not something that anybody else in the Bolton team does and, and he's introduced this, this to this wonderful verb of 360 now as well It's uh, he's, a, he's a 360 player he's 360 yeah um, exactly well uh, it's, it's wonderful. Three-dimensional player. Who would have who would have thunk it, hey? It's incredible. <laughs> um, one downside to the day, though. One downside to the day. George Johnson landed awkwardly going up for a header in the first half. He soldiered on, but then didn't come out for the second half. They made a switch. We'll talk about how, the, how that happened later on. But uh, disappointing, obviously. And fingers crossed it isn't too bad. But what was... what? What did you see on telly? Did you think it looked particularly bad? Well, it looked like he got the head injury. That's why I thought because uh, at half time, you know, I'm up and about, I'm, I'm uh, getting something to eat, so I didn't really hear. I actually I sat down just as uh, Charlton scored, and then I saw Declan John on the pitch. I was like, hmm, "That's that's different." Um, <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, I I just assumed oh, it was because of the head injury. It wasn't until later where you know I. I I'd seen it was a, uh, you know, it wasn't. So hopefully he's okay. Um, you know, because he's. I mean, we've discussed on this podcast. It's been our player of the season really so far. So uh, yeah. So to uh, to lose it. Hopefully it's not too long that we get to lose him. And we who knows? We might even see him on Saturday. Well, I can give you an exclusive insight from the press conference because my twin brother Mick is at the press conference in the future. Mick, can you hear me? 
Oh yes, I can hear you, Mark, and uh, this is definitely me at Ian Everts' press conference, and definitely not me sat in the kitchen at home later on with the oven whirring in the background, by the way, just in case you were wondering about that. George Johnson will be out for between three and four weeks, we hear. Um, Ian Everts confirmed that at the press conference that I'm very definitely at. Also, he has just said just a couple of minutes ago, right there, just a couple of yards from where I'm sitting, um, he said that Sean the short hire is fit to play this weekend against Cheltenham Town. Back to the studio. And there we go. An exclusive update from my twin brother, Mick, uh, who was at the press conference. So now you're you're in the know as far as George Johnson's uh, injury, uh, which is either good or bad. We, we're not at liberty to say right now because uh, this, this podcast is taking place several hours before the press conference. Yeah, um... I don't know. I, you might have to edit either answer, but let, I'll do two answers. Oh, that's such a shame. Oh, oh, that's better news than we expected. It'd be seamless. It'd be such an easy editing <laughs> job, that. Such an easy editing job. Right, let's talk about a player who's definitely, there's no ambiguity here. Dion Charles on fire at the moment. Scored in his last two games. Can even score when he's getting sent off. Doesn't really matter to him. 14 for the season now. Um, remember when we thought he wasn't very good? Yeah, well, we never said he wasn't very good. We just said he was, he was going through a dry spell. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's started the year brilliantly, and, uh, um, and and you know what? I've got to give it to Charles because we've seen so many strikers in the past who, okay, it was an open goal, but they would have had to take a touch. They would have had, they would have panicked a little bit. Charles, cool as you like, swift. It's just like a nice sort of swift motion. The yeah. ball, it was poetic. It was brilliant, and uh, and also credit to Dempsey as well because I know a lot of Bolton players um, would have gone for goal themselves so for him to see Charles and pass it was was great yeah it was it was a bit of a mix up as far as Charles and the concerned I wouldn't want to watch that back if I was Dean Holden but uh, no Dion can I get I mean he, he said afterwards I think to the club about 20 goals being his target this season now I mean how many times I must have said this statistic but Michael Ricketts is the last person to score 20 goals for Bolton and it has happened on the year that uh, they came into the Premier League. So, can Dion Charles finally save me from that statistic, do you think? Can we finally put him <laughs> to bed? Um, yeah, I mean, I've got to say, first of all, it was really nice to hear from him because I don't think I've ever heard his voice because um, he, does, he doesn't do many interviews. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, he can do, and you would expect him to at the moment. I think it's going to be interesting seeing how he does with new strikers around him. I think so far this year, even um, you know if he's played with Bob Varson, Apalayan, Bakioko, Kachunga, he has still been the main man. So if you've got... Um, I don't doubt that he'll be the main man. I mean, what he does is, is unique to him. But if you've got... Uh, the other, you know, the the three, you know, four strikers with short in as well who are doing well, you know, it will be interesting to see if he never does rotate a little bit and and he might get less opportunities. So, um, I guess for him, the quicker he can get to that twenty goals, could be the better. Right. Well, for the last month, we've done nothing but pontificate on transfers and and wonder who Bolt we're going to spend their money on. But just one last time. Let's have a look through the transfer window. Andy Johnson hanging around. My second cousin saw him at the training ground. Miguel Veloso signed. 
checkout, buying crisps, cheese and onion. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers, helicopter in for Cameron Jerome. He just doesn't want to make it his home. Tom Barcusen went on and on, so long the deal was dead and gone. My brother decorated his house. Magnolia mostly. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. Patrick Cliver ready to go. Where he went, I don't know. Will Sahar to set the place on fire. As the fee went higher and higher. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. Met him in a nightclub. Signing tomorrow. Transfer rumors, I might have made some of this up. Henry, as a Bolton fan on transfer deadline day, I'm sure you were tuning into our deadline day blog and hoping there would be a, a bounty of things to talk about. In the end, not so much. One signing, but overall, the window pretty good. Yeah, I think um, that's the that's the important thing now. Is and a few people pointed this out, and it is the, for the better. Is that we tend to get our business done before the end of the window. So I think rather than look at the actual deadline day, and of course, yeah, it's exciting when you're signing three or four players. It does scream of desperate, you know, mm. and it is, tends to be the teams at the bottom, or um, you know, like Bolton in the past when we've been skint and we've been shopping in the bargain bin you know it's uh uh now we're not so we tend to do it a bit earlier so yeah i think it's important to look at the the grand scheme of things and you you i don't know you look at the um the the, the players that we've brought in compared to who we've lost i mean do you think it's been a, a positive window for bolton or a negative one you just have there's no way of telling <laughs> there's no way of telling at the minute i mean i i would have said based on what the players are on paper, that yes, they've got a stronger squad coming out of the window than when they went in. But ultimately, they'll get judged on how they do in the in the next kind of several months and, and whether or not they achieve what they're setting out to get, which is, of course, finishing in the top six and potentially getting to Wembley as well. I mean, I think on deadline day itself, there were question marks over what sort of defensive cover get Will Williamson had obviously been sold on to uh, to Exeter, um, and I think to say, hey, we've got Manchester City's Luke and Bette, who's played for England under twenty ones, has played in the Championship this season, albeit hasn't had a great time at Huddersfield. I think everybody would have taken that, and and Mbete, I think, is, is a really good signing, or has the potential to be a really good signing. Uh, he's a left sided player as well, so I mean, what what does he float your boat? Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about him, I've got to be honest with mm. you, but um, I think, yeah, you're right. We needed cover there and we've got cover and we've got a player who, um, you know, I, again, it's difficult because I don't really know how Huddersfield play, but I know they're at the bottom of the league. So they, they're not necessarily playing free-flowing football at the moment. So maybe he might suit playing in a Bolton Wanderers side where he's going to get more of the ball. He's, you know, he can pass it about. He can make, you know, Santos... Uh, all three of our defenders have sometimes a little run with the ball. Mm. It might suit him better, so he might be a really good signing for us. But at the very least, his cover, you know, I, I know it's difficult for 
anyone at the moment to to get in place of Johnston, Santos, and uh, um, and Toll. So uh, yeah, it's cover. I think he's yeah good signing. Well, we've had our updates on Johnston as far as his fitness is concerned, but a lot of rumours going around, and and not just deadline day, but probably for a week leading up to that, that Stoke City were looking at George Johnston, possibly fueled by the fact that they were getting ready to sell Harry Soter to uh, to Leicester City. Now, I, sometimes I wonder where these things come from, because this wasn't necessarily a, a rumour that was doing the, the, the press rounds, a la, a la there were journalists telling me. It was more a case of <laughs> social media more than anything else, that it, it, it kind of developed a life of its own. But... Very early in the piece, we were able to snuff it out. There was definitely no interest from Stoke. Regardless, no matter how many times I said it, it continued to live a life up until Suter had gone and when Suter was going. From a fan's perspective, what did you make of all that? Yeah, I thought it was weird too, because I tend to, you know, I, I, I do keep my eye on Twitter um, most days, actually, on the Bolton hashtag, and you, you get to see these things, and it... I think for me, it developed from Ian Everett said before Ameson went uh, on Thursday, uh, he said there's going to be a, I don't know, like a, a an unpopular uh, decision or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, surprise that somebody's going to go. And it seemed to stem from there. People just went, well, Johnson's going, clearly. Stoke, they'll need him. And he, that's for me where it stemmed from. I didn't necessarily see yourself or whoever Alan Nixon or whoever you know like who normally comes up with these things mm. um so yeah it was a surprise for me but I think for most people they kind of they must have looked at it and gone well that's come from nowhere but the more people that said it people people were getting worried um and the club must have been laughing Stoke must have been laughing as well because yeah if there's nothing in it then they must have been Bolton must have been quite relaxed about it whereas the fans were were not yeah, I mean, I I spent a lot of the morning kind of checking around people I know in that neck of the woods and, you know, what do you think? And, and, and nobody, in my profession, it's very, very dangerous to say, it is not, there is no chance. So nobody was willing to say, there is no way on earth this is happening because, you know, the, the first thing you should admit to yourself is you don't know everything that's going on at the football club. It's impossible. The only person that does is probably the, the club secretary or, or whoever's tasked with turning on the fax machine. It's it's nigh on impossible, especially on a de- day as as fast moving as deadline day, to say you you know exactly what is going on. So I was getting a lot of well, you know, with the suitor things going on, they've got a couple of other. There was one at Leeds. There was one guy at Forest that they were looking at. You know, maybe what type of player is he? Oh well, it does tick a lot of boxes. So it was one of those that I couldn't necessarily stamp out up until the point that Bolt Bolt Wonders obviously did see it. Um, and and I got a couple of calls just to say, nah, this is <laughs> that's that's just not happening. Full stop. So, but even even still, as I say, even though we were saying there has been no contact from Stoke, you know, there is it will not be welcomed even if there was. People are still saying, well, money talks. They're going to get fifteen million for suits, or if they put two million. Well, yeah, of course, if somebody put two million pounds down for George Johnson, Bolton would think about it. But it's it's not. It's fantasy, you know. It definitely wasn't on the cards at that point, so it was a strange one. It was a strange one, but on on such strange things, deadline days are made, um, and it was it kept me busy for a couple of hours anyway. Um, one thing we did see, and that's Bolt Mondra spend a bit of dough on Victor Adebayo, and I think we're going to call him Vic from now on. By the way, um, yeah. 
the biggest transfer fee in 10 years, weirdly enough, if the £450,000, I know it's all undisclosed nowadays, but if that fee is to be believed, four fifty grand is the biggest in 10 years since Jay Spearing came from Liverpool. Yeah, it's nice that we're spending a bit of money. Um, obviously, you know, there's a caveat to that. I don't want him to go to go mad. Um, you know, we don't want to be in that situation. But, you know, I think, what, well, what do you make of his signing? Because, you know, looking at, yes, he's had a great season. And uh, now, technically, we've got two players in the top five or six in the goal scoring charts. Um, but, I mean, bearing in mind that he was at Barnsley last year, I know he played as a winger, but they didn't necessarily... Well, they didn't keep him. They let him go. He has... I mean, for Burton, it's great business, the fact they've signed someone and sold him for nearly half a million six months later. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, like, what do you make of this one? Because, I don't know, I just think... I, sometimes, you look at the Cole Stotsons of this world, you do wonder, is it a flash in the pan? And mm-hmm. will he do the same for Bolton? I, I mean, you'd like to think that Chris Markham, Ian Everett and his analysts have looked into his game at greater depth than it just being 13 goals this season because that, if you take all his seasons, is quite an anomaly. He hasn't scored that many goals before. Um, I think it's, well, it, it is a gamble in a, in, a, in a sense that he's not, uh, he's not played at, a higher level, you know, kind of, he's not excelled at a higher level before. It's quite a lot of money. Um, but then again, he's, he's the same age as Dapwa Falayan. He plays in a similar similar um, position to Dapwa Falayan. And more importantly, he wants to be here, which is not like Dapwa Falayan. So I, it's a little bit like for like in that respect. Um, but they are, it's another asset and they, they're going to kind of back themselves, I think, to coach him to be a better player. I think that's what, the important thing is that that they are they they are seen to improve him, and so that that four hundred fifty thousand pounds isn't wasted. It isn't just buying yourself a player for three and a half years or whatever the contract length is. It's more a case of we're going to make this player better and make him a, a more sellable asset because I think that's the way Bolton have got to think. And he, he seemed, you know, from the very brief look we've looked, at, I, I've not really seen a lot of him. I can't I can't give you an in depth kind of display of his game other than say in that second half you know he, he looked strong he looked quick he looked willing to to go out to either side as well I thought that was interesting that he wasn't just playing centrally he was he was coming out wide to collect the ball and to to interchange with the, the wing backs as well um, and it maybe just gives Bolton a, a different dimension one thing we've said for quite some time I think with Bolton's attack is that it it has lacked some pace now Dion Charles is quite quick that's changed slightly since he's been here. But I think to have a couple of different options like that that are, that are quite quick and powerful maybe just gives Bolton something they haven't had. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, if £450,000 is correct, if that fee is correct, then, um, you know, it's, it's a statement, no question. Um, but is it a flash in the pan? I mean, we, we'll only know in about six months' time, won't we? Yeah, we will. And um, I've got to say, for Charles's goal, I thought, you know, Adebayo, he, he held the ball up really well, um, you know, and, and managed to lay it back. And I think it was Lee who played it forward to Dempsey. So I was impressed with that. And, and yeah, he just looked like he wants to put himself about. He had two opportunities in that short space of time. 
Um, and yeah, it'd be, it's different for him. There's more pressure on him here than at Burton, obviously with the, the fee as well. So, um, you know, whereas maybe at Burton, it, he wasn't expected to have hit the ground running and he did. At Bolton, he is expected to hit the ground running. You know, the fans are expecting not only him, but uh, on Lundalu as well, maybe less Jerome, but, um, you know, they're expecting him to, to score goals and score goals quick and uh, uh, and the pressure's on. But I've got to say, and we'll talk about it later, maybe playing a team like Cheltenham first is a, is a, at home could be a good game for him. The one debate that we've had quite a bit of recently uh, on social media and, and amongst Bolton fans and the emails we've had into the podcast as well... Uh, is the number of loans that Bolton have had in this window. And obviously James Trafford and Connor Bradley started things off last summer. They brought in Owen Beck as well, but he's since gone back. Um, and and Lundaloo is in, on loan now. Um, and then uh, Shortire, of course, on loan. And then Mbete on deadline day. So that's five loans now in the side or in the squad. There is a there is a school of thought that that's a little bit a little bit of a, a a fake foundation to build your team on, and that the fact that they've already got fourteen players contracted for next season is is a concern to some. Uh, where do you stand on it? Um, yeah, I can understand the concern. I think the loan thing, uh, to be honest, I, that doesn't concern me because yeah, you know, would you like? those players under contract and we can sell them. Of course you would, but be realistic. We're not going to get Connor Bradley and James Trafford and Shaw Tyre signing for Bolton. So, you know, if we can get a year or, or in Trafford's case, 18 months out of them, then they're making us better. And then that's the thing is that you, you get these players who are very good players. And then if we get promoted, suddenly you're looking at a different category, a, a you know, more experienced category, let's say of player who can come in and, and make a difference in the championship. So, yeah, that doesn't concern me, to be honest. But um, And also, the 14 players doesn't, because you trust that the club are dealing with it. You know, if it was three or four years ago, then, yeah, I would be extremely worried. Uh, and we were in that position. We started a season with no one. But um, now you think that they are looking, and they're looking about 12 months ahead of, of where they are. Uh, you know, they've brought these lone players in, and... Um, I, I mean, let's face it, Unlundlu is probably the most realistic that we could sign afterwards. Yeah. But at least they're looking at that. And uh, they'll also have players that they're going to go for in the summer to replace some. And they'll look at some, because, and we'll have this conversation later on in the season, but you've got to look at some of the players who have been here for since the league, you know, the start of last season or the League Two days and wonder, well, are they going to be here next year? Are we looking to progress? So, yeah, it might be a big overhaul in the summer, but you trust that they're going to be players bringing in who are, who are signing at the top of League One rather than some that were signed in sort of mid-table in League One. Yeah, yeah. football clubs never stop. They always have to evolve or they should evolve. And I don't think there's any question that's happened since Ian Everett's been in charge, that there's been... There's been a churn, of course. There's been a churn, but it's it's a progressive one, and I think the the fact that a couple of players, you know, the likes of Kieran Lee, MJ Williams, uh, Gareth Jones under contract, isn't he? But um, you know, Josh Sheehan, players that that have been 
with the club now for 12 plus months um, and now coming to the end of their contracts and, and questions are being asked, do you go up to the next level? I suppose is, is only natural, but um, now, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you with the, the loan thing. I mean, uh, y- there's no question that Bolton wouldn't be able to sign a James Trafford or a, or a, a, a Connor Bradley. Um, and and I, I think that it is a positive that Bolton are striking up these relationships with the big clubs because it means they've got an identity about the way they play football. So it's it's good that Bolton are playing a, a type of football and have got the facilities that these big clubs don't mind lending their, their decent players. I think that's always going to be a, a good thing to have up your sleeve, especially in the championship. And you look around the championship, there, there are a lot of successful clubs that do exactly the same thing. Um, I think, you know, when you get to the Premier League, yes, fair enough, I completely, you, you're not going to be able to loan from other Premier League clubs, so it doesn't really work that way. And, and I think up to up to Championship level, I think for, for Bolton's budget, I think it, it probably does make sense. I understand the slight concern if, if you stayed in League One next season, for example. They have a decision to make, you know, as to, to how many of those players get new deals. Um, but I think that probably is a decision to make at the end of the season. I think they're keeping all their options open for now. Yeah, and I think that's a, a smart move to, you know, you don't want to you don't want to be given certain players two-year deals and then you get promoted and be not playing, but at the same time you don't want to be uh, you don't want to be missing out on them, but um, you know, as we said, Bolton are, are a lot different now. We're very um, well run and yeah, we may have 14 players signed up for the next next season but you can you know that the they they they're probably already talking contracts with some or they they you know they they've they've probably been honest with others as well and said that you've uh, um yeah you know i think I, a, a hungry player though I mean, if you're trying to prove yourself then and you see it quite a bit don't you when, when bolton used to loan players it's like the the neil dan's principle when you get a player on loan who's coming out of contract, he plays his socks off because he, he needs to earn that contract. Now, for me, there are half a dozen players there that are in the team or in the squad who all want to stay. And they're trying to prove that they can play not only in, in League One for Bolton and successfully for Bolton, but also want to be with them on that journey up to the championship as well. So actually, you're getting the best out of them by, by keeping them hungry. I think sometimes when players sign a contract and they're that little bit more comfortable, sometimes form does dip. You know, I think we've seen as fans as well, you know, like players are flavour of the month and then they're rubbish. We saw it with Dion Charles earlier this season. We've seen it with Randall Williams. He's only been here five minutes. You know, he played one game. He was the best fullback we've ever had. And now he's he's not, you know, he shouldn't be in the team. But um, yeah, I think... That's the thing. I think it's the bigger picture, and I think the club know. And this is the whole Kachunga debate as well. Some people don't know why Kachunga's in the team, but Ian Everett sees what you know his skills and puts him in. So they'll know as well. There'll be probably some decisions in the summer of players that the fans love but aren't being kept on, and vice versa. So yeah, it's um, you know I. I think the, the club know what they're doing and like we said, it's a dangerous thing because you don't want to be offering contracts out and then you get promoted and suddenly they're not going to play. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it'll all be fine, man. Right, once upon a time, this was a simple podcast about simple newspapers writing simple headlines. Let's hop 
into the Wayback Machine and relive those days, Henry. Give me some headlines. Yeah, well, the first one um, is the Forgotten Man. I mentioned him briefly before. Declan John, he's, uh, he's, he's back. He have suddenly appeared after months of being in the wilderness and just tweeting every now and again. He's He turned up at Charlton. Okay, the first 20 seconds we conceded a goal. That weren't great. But other than that, I thought he played very well. He was great. He was like the Declan John of very, very old, wasn't it? Um, yeah, bizarre. I mean... Uh, a bit like we were talking about Ameson um, having turned a corner and obviously he's now on Passage New but um, we would have I would have bet good money I'm not really a betting man but I would have bet good money that Declan John was on his way in January we'd heard that Cambridge United had been in for him at one stage but they couldn't agree a fee um, or certainly heard whispers of that happening um, but I think even Declan himself must have been surprised that he was back in on the bench against Forest Green. And and then for him to be sat alongside Randall Williams in that second half at Charlton and to get the nod ahead of Randall Williams was a real kind of show of faith, really. And we spoke to Ian Ever afterwards and he said he'd had a heart-to-heart with Declan and that things were good. Beck's gone back to Liverpool, of course, so he's notched his way up. Jack Iredale, unfortunately, is injured. So all of a sudden, you know, Declan John has, has found himself leaping from kind of fourth, fifth, possibly in the list, up to first or maybe even second. I mean, where would you put him at the moment? Would you would he be your first choice now? Or was, would Randall Williams be back and or would you stick with Gethin Jones? Um... I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because Declan John on his day is is a very good, um, you know, he's very good. And, and I thought he did quite well in League One last year. There's obviously uh, quite clearly the manager sees his flaws um, for what they are. But I thought overall he's, he's quite good. Randall Williams, I think, for me, has been okay. He's made one or two, you know, little errors. But... Um, but, you know, you've got to remember that he hasn't played for a long time, really. So, uh, you know, I'm sure a run of games will see him. And he's got his long throw as well. Um, and Geffen Jones, for me, is Mr. Reliable. So there's there's pros and cons for all of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know at the moment. I'd probably... I, I think he'll he'll put Randall Williams back in. He, they've just brought him in on a, a deal for a couple of years. So they're going to give him a chance. But yeah, as a as a cover, I think Declan John is is very, uh, you know, yeah, I think he's good. I mean, what what about you? Who do you think? Well, I, I don't think I I ever saw Declan John getting back in. If I'm being absolutely truthful, because I feel like d- defensively, I think he was targeted a little, a little bit last season. If he improves I think on his day when he's been in good form for Bolton he's he's been undroppable I think he's been great but um, there has always been that slight worry about the better teams targeting him uh, and getting him behind him so we'll see maybe you know maybe he improves maybe he pushes on and and and, and answers all those sort of questions but I think I'm with you with Randall Williams he looks it looks a bit rusty he looks like a player who hasn't really Played a lot for the last six months. He got chucked in very, very early. Um, surprisingly so, really. Um, 
so I think you've got to cut, cut him a little bit of slack until he gets up to speed and, and then, then judge him on whether he's been a successful signing or not. Um, but in the meantime, I can I can see Declan getting a go because he's going to be fit enough. You know, he's he's been training well by all accounts, according to the manager. And against teams, certainly like they'll play on Saturday, Cheltenham rather, um, who you would expect will sit a little bit deeper and that mid to low block, as they call it, and invite a little bit of pressure. Declan John's always reveled against that sort of side. Um, maybe not Cheltenham, maybe not when it's a tighter pitch and they may be using a bit more um, aerially to go forward. But I think on Bolton's pitch, I think it would it would suit Declan to get a bit of space and run at defenders. He loves to attack. And I thought you saw straight away against Charlton. I thought he got straight on the front foot. He created chances. He was unlucky not to score himself. Um, it's good to see him back. And, uh, you know, football football's a weird game sometimes. It offers up opportunities all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think, um, yeah, Declan, John, uh, it's up to him to, to take this and, and get back in the team. He's still here. So, uh, you know, he's here for the rest of the season. What happens after that is, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's up to him to do that. Um, just a, a word on Owen Beck going back to Liverpool. Probably the, the best decision for him. You know, I, I mean, he did OK when he was playing, but he just wasn't getting into the team, was he? Yeah, I, I think he was a young, a young lad who looked like a young lad who maybe hasn't quite um, been able to raise himself to the same sort of level as Conor Bradley did. Um, obviously, not given the same sort of opportunities either. To, to in his defence, but I think physically, it, League One looked a little bit beyond him at times. Um, technically, very decent player, and you can see. You know he's going to have a career, but potentially to go back and work a bit more in in Liverpool's uh, development squad and and maybe go out at League Two level or or something along those lines would be probably better uh, better for his development. But I think he's definitely a player. He's you know definitely a decent footballer in there. I think he just needs um, maybe a different different path than being let's say second string at Bolton and, and being chucked in in some big high pressure games towards the end of the season I don't think that would necessarily do him a great deal of good so um, I'm glad Bolton came to that arrangement obviously the fact that he was on loan meant one of the slots was being used up and they saw it fit to um, look at and better at Manchester City a central defender that's got to come into play I mean as much as development is, is the, the reason that everybody's being given Realistically, I think the five loans is is actually the the big reason, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, there's no point wasting it if if he's not going to be in the team. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, I'll have a good career. But uh, I mean, you never know; he might come back next year. Who knows? Um, a player who won't be coming back next year. Well, he might be actually with Leighton Orient doing well. Um, Kieran Sadlier, uh, he's left Bolton. Ian Everett said he had an honest conversation with him. And uh, this, again, probably best for all parties. Right, give us another headline then, Henry. Um, yeah, so this is a player who uh, probably won't be coming back next year. Uh, Kieran Sadlier, uh, Ian Everett said he had an honest conversation with him and uh, he's now ended up at Leighton Orient. So maybe if he stays there, he could be coming back next year because he's doing very well, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think Orient have been at the top of the table. Old Darren Prattley working his... Working his magic um, at uh, at Leighton, 
I think it's a decent move for him. I think he wanted to move back towards that neck of the woods. I, I think he's got a new baby and I think his family are all based down there. So it does make a lot of sense for him. He's still got a year left. So it, anything is possible, I suppose, for him. But you would expect that if he does well at Leighton Orient, that they would be open to uh, to bringing him up and, and playing in League One because he's, he's certainly you know able to play at League One level quite comfortably and had Bolton stuck with 4-3-3 then I dare say he would have been a much more important feature in the Bolton team than than he ended up being as a kind of a a substitute of of all trades really wasn't he um but yeah I, I think he leaves with it I think he leaves with Bolton's best wishes I think he's done okay he's never he's never sulked he's he's always worked hard he's always come on and changed games for Bolton must have been quite demoralising not being able, you know, not being able to see a, a proper place in the team. Um, but uh, no, I think he's been okay. Yeah, um, you know, I think, I think though, no, we've we've sadly, uh, and I don't know whether it's the case. We we said this with Appleyon at the start of the season that they need the runner games. I don't know whether sadly he did, but I thought the games he started. Um, I don't know. He just there were times, and I think about the Barnsley game in the cup and the Portsmouth game. Uh, or he, was it the United? It was one of the Papa John's games. He just looked a little bit off the pace for me, mm. so I could I could understand why Everett wasn't playing him. And yeah, he had a goal in him, and he scored some great goals. And um, you know, but yeah, it's it's again, there's no point in him sticking around if he's not going to be playing. And uh, I thought the the fact that for me it was the Forest Green game where. I thought for a player like Sadlier, personally, I felt that was a good game for him to to um, come off the bench in because, you know, I felt at times with Shaw, Tyre and Kachunga, we weren't going anywhere. Whereas if you brought Sadlier on, he would run, you know, he'd get the ball and try and go forward with it. And he, he, he obviously doesn't trust him. So, uh, so yeah, probably for the best. Um, another player who has left is Will Amerson. Um, a bit of surprising considering the last six weeks he's had, but... Uh, I mean, you said it, you know, yourself on Twitter. It's uh, was it? A, it seemed like a, a really good move for him to have. Yeah, I think again, it's another off the field more than anything else. I think his girlfriend's from down that neck of the woods. I think the two and a half year deal that you get from Exeter at, at Amerson's age as well, um, at, at twenty nine, coming on to thirty. I think he would appreciate that sort of length of time to be able to settle in at a club and an Exeter. I've done okay since they came up, haven't they? I don't done yeah. better than I probably expected, I suppose, than than uh, you know many people expected uh, in League One. But um, I think he wants to be the main man, as, as to use Everett's phrase, and he was for Bolton. I think you've got to give him a lot of credit for the way he came into the team during December and January. He's been really good for Bolton. He's he's always been consistent. He's always been a, a pure defender, and I think people appreciate those sorts of skills. Um, a lot of people would have had him in the team more, I think, than he ended up playing. But that's the way football is. It's all in a game of opinions. And uh, and Will hopefully will go down and, and get into the extra side and uh, we'll see him there soon. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully he won't do too well against us. No, uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's a good move for him. I think, you know, it, he's... We have got to, as much as we don't want to think that players will want to leave Bolton, but, you know, at the end of the day, 
Will Ameson, I do feel sorry for him because I don't actually think he did much wrong in any game he played. You know, he came in for the last 10 games of last season and we didn't lose. Um, he's come in during the, his, the December and January and again, we've only lost one, I think, while he's yeah. been here or two. So, um, he's done very well and it's just the fact that unfortunately for him, Santos is our captain and he is going to play. So, therefore, Ameson won't. And, um, yeah, I think... It's just unfortunate. The irony is, come the summer, we could get a massive offer for Santos and suddenly we could do with Amerson back. But, um, you know, I guess Amerson is one of those names that when they do, when you know, if we do have suddenly a, a loads of injuries, people are going to look and go, well, why did you get rid of him? But sometimes it's, it's the bigger picture. Um, I, I, talking of the bigger picture, actually, another headline that... Um, that you wrote this week was about Kachunga. Now, obviously, Kachunga is 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 still having his ban, but um, Ian Everett and Ricardo Santos have had to say on the the sort of online abuse that Kachunga got. He, Kachunga himself came out and did a statement last week apologising for his incident with Forest Green. Um, we touched on it last week, but I, now we've all had a week to to analyse it. I, it is it is a part of the game that. Is there, unfortunately. Fans have access to these players more than ever, but it's it's a bit of a stain on it, isn't it? Well, I've said many times, if I were a footballer, there's no way on earth I would be subjecting myself. I'm certainly with Twitter, um, Instagram to a degree as well. I think anything that... A confidence game where so much is down to mentality and so much is down to you know, confidence and, and mood and, and such like, there's no way on earth I'd subject myself to social media because fans are emotional people by their very nature. When Bolton have been beaten, the worst place in the world is Twitter at about 10 o'clock at night because people are um, either rat-assed or emotional. Um, and and yeah. it's just as bad on Sunday morning when people are either hungover or emotional. Um, people say things in the heat of the moment you know, they press send and, it, and you can't take it back. And I think a lot of that does happen. Um, they may may not necessarily say that in real life or if they saw him in the real life to his face. But it's very easy when you're just, uh, you know, an avatar without a face and, you know, Jimmy12579. It, it's very easy to, to say things that are just intended to hurt. And, you know, I've said before as well about whether social media needs to take this responsibility and make it more difficult for people to do that sort of thing. I think uh, people know who I am. They know my face and they know it's my name as well. So if I if I say something nasty or stupid or if I've got a pointed opinion about something, then people know where to find me. And, and I think that should be the case for, for most people as well um, with this sort of thing. But um, Catcher will be all right. Catcher will be all right. I think the club have supported him. I know... Ricardo Santos uh, was telling us about how you know how he's tackled it, how he's sort of put his arm around him, and uh, how the lads have rallied round as well. It was a daft thing to do, no question, but people do daft things, and you know it's not just uh, not just people on Twitter; it's footballers as well. We're all humans, so we will move on. I hope when he gets back, when he runs out onto the pitch, or you know his name's read out, I do hope that Bolton fans give him a bit of a 
bit of a, a bit of encouragement to go on and be the best person he can be to the end of the season because you know he's out of contract in the summer it may he may stay he may not stay who knows but he's going to be important between now and then he's he's still a Bolton Wanderers player and they can't afford to uh, just you know punish him for one mistake yeah and I still I still say I've said it before I think Kachunga's got his world round moment coming. I don't know yeah. if it's the playoff final or the Papa John's final or whatever. I think he's got his uh, he's got a big goal coming. Um, so hopefully, and uh, yeah, it has been nice actually. And I know I know sometimes people are very fickle and and um, you know can contradict themselves. And and I'm sure some of the people were were slagging Kachunga off who were doing this uh, the other day. But I think when Kachunga put that statement out and just apologised, but then said, "Can people stop?" with the, the abuse a lot of people a lot of Bolton fans were, were sort of sticking up for him so that was nice to see um, this this next headline was really interesting actually when uh, I was reading it so a, a strategic partnership or a strategic relationship uh, has been announced with uh, Castle Ra Junior Castle, League yeah. In, yeah. in Northern Ireland so what can you tell us about this one yeah Northern Ireland seems to be the, the fertile ground for Bolton Wanderers at the moment doesn't it it seems to be um raiding that place um, and I would like a nice uh, pre-season game there personally um, but this junior league is something that a lot I mean a lot of clubs have these agreements um, with uh, you know across Ireland and, and around Scotland and Wales and such like with the the leagues themselves and you know they'll have somebody who'll keep their eye out for, for the best young talents coming through up to the ages of sort of 15 16 and uh, and just tip them off so that when they go into the system in Ireland, they can send scouts or, or keep an eye on, on them from a, from an analysis point of view. It's just another set of eyes. It's the way they, it's the way that clubs kind of branch out um, nowadays. And I think you probably expect a lot more of this sort of thing from Bolton because they are starting from scratch. They have started from scratch uh, since Ian Everett's been here. The scouting system, the the, the footprint that Bolton once had had all but disappeared. So all these sort of agreements are going to have to be done locally as well as nationally and internationally. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's good. And I think Northern Ireland is, is proving to be quite a fertile ground as far as football talent goes. I think a lot of the young players on either side of the border, in fact, over there, you know, they, they seem to do well in England. So I think it's a, it's a good one to map out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing um, you know what that can bring, and and as well, we we love seeing Bolton players play internationally, um, and Northern Ireland is a country that we've got a couple at the moment, so uh, hopefully we can have a few more. I'm hoping um, to, to Finland, by the way. That's uh, they, they've got a home oh. game against Finland in March, and I'm I, I'm I'm pushing I'm pushing for the Bolton news to send me over there. If the editor's listening, uh, the, the the people of the Buff have now heard it, so now you've got to send me. <laughs> Uh, and if you go a few days earlier, we could do a live. Well, I'll be, I'll be still in England, but the live from Northern Ireland. That's fine. That's fine. Do you know something else that's fine? Go on. Dion's backside. Yes. Uh, I said before, I've, not, I've never really heard from him. And he was uh, he was talking to everyone after the Charlton game. Um, and uh, yeah, so explain this to us. He said a few things, but explain this one. He had a, a bang on the backside. Uh, but um, well, yeah, he's, he's all good now. 
Yeah, yeah, I think Ian Everts gave us an injury update at the end of last week. Said that uh, poor old Dean had been kicked out of the backside by Curtis Davis, of all people, uh, playing against Derby. And that it's swollen up some. Um, now, I wonder sometimes whether Ian Everett has his tongue, tongue-in-cheek, I was going to say there. That would be a really interesting metaphor to use in this particular story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, I, I sometimes wonder whether he's uh, he says things semi-seriously. Dion, when, when he saw the funny side, when I brought it up with him, he says, actually, it was just my hip. I think the manager's thrown me under the bus a bit on that one. Um I think there's been a couple of interesting little injury updates. I remember Declan John getting stung by a wasp in his boot. Um, <laughs> and we all remember uh, Kyle Dempsey's uh, uh, nether regions also swelling up some. Um, so he's, he's not he's not averse to uh, to giving us some real anatomical features in the injury uh, updates, Ian Ever. But this one seems to be a, a semi-serious one, um, thankfully. But yes, Dion, um, he also told me a story, weirdly enough, that he... He got sent off, of course. Well, Kachunga committed the offence, but he got sent off. Uh, mistaken identity a couple of weeks ago against Forest Green. He told me a story that it actually happened before when he was playing for Accrington a couple of years ago during the pandemic. And uh, he said that apparently he went up for a for a corner, got in a bit of a tangle with the goalkeeper, and the referee deemed that he'd stamped on the goalkeeper. He was nowhere near it. I've watched it back myself, and he's nowhere near it. I don't know how he's been done. Um, a different striker may well have made contact with the goalkeeper, but apparently they had photographic evidence. The FA upheld the ban this time, and he ended up staying away for for three games. But how strange that it should happen to the same person twice. He's, he just must have one of those faces, you know. People have <laughs> some people have faces where they get in trouble wherever they go, whereas others they can just slide by life and, and never get into any trouble. But uh, no, I'm uh, you know I'm you know I'm really glad for Dion after the. the Earlier on in the season, you know, he's um, it's good to see that he's doing what uh, what we know he can do, and he's he, um, Doyle was great, but I think he's a genuine goal scorer, uh, Dion, who can uh, who can do it. I mean, he scored against Villa, didn't he? So maybe if we get to the championship, he can still do it there. Well, we've been talking about whether this podcast could split in two into two shorter shows, one earlier in the week and one on Friday, and. One thing I'm absolutely sure about is that we'll have enough emails if we decide to take that leap. So let's read some of the best ones we've had this week. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Just a, a quick one. Henry has had to nip away basically his microphone or whatever connection between him and me over cyberspace is not having it this week. Um, he may be able to nip back in for prediction time. Fingers crossed the connection actually uh, works properly this week, but it's been very crackly and difficult to listen to him. So I've decided to go in alone on the film race post bag this week. Um, and I'm going to start with uh, an email from Paul and it's entitled, do we really want promotion? Uh, hi, Mark and Henry. This could be classed as an unpopular opinion. Do we really want to get promoted unless we're able to secure more financial backing so we can compete in the championship? At the moment, we win more games than we lose, and we're playing some great football. League One now has some big teams, including seven who've been in the Premier League, and the attendances at the Uniball uh, this season have been fantastic. You only need to look at our friends down the road who know more than most about pies to see what can happen if you don't have a team that compete compete attendances drop off and those that do go to watch do not want to be there 
My sons and I look forward to going every single home game. A season of potential struggle is that appealing. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Paul. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And being a big fish in a smaller pond is nice. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the League 2 escapade, even though, unfortunately, the fans weren't with us. Um I enjoy. I've enjoyed League One as well, and and as you say, the football at the moment is terrific. It, you know, the the mood around the club is terrific. But I think you've got to progress. You have to progress, and I'm sure from the club ownership point of view, they they want to push on as well. And you know, the financial rewards are bigger in the Championship. I accept it's a mad division. I accept the economy in that division features some way out of control budgets. But I think it is changing a little bit, and I noticed kind of the bottom half of of the the, the championship. Um, I don't think Bolton would be absolutely outclassed as the size of a club or anything like that, or or, or even necessarily in terms of budget. Uh, I think there are plans. We've we've talked about them in the past as far as attracting additional investment. We've seen this week. There's been some more shares created. Um, which you know may or may not be a sign of of further investment um and they're not silly people you know they 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 understand that you're going to be dealing with bigger numbers up there you get bigger sponsorships bigger tv revenues all that kind of stuff as well but they they will have to find money but i think they are smart enough people to to realize that and to already have provisions on the go for that i think that just reflects the way the football club is at the moment um it is you know, I, I don't I don't think it is necessarily hand in hand that you would go up there and you would struggle straight. And look at Luton, for example, and the way that, that they operated after romping the League One title, they came up went went up and, and went and, and got into the playoffs not so long after that as well. And they're not on a massive budget in any way, shape or form. They're just a well managed club and they've they've got their recruitment right. Um and, and, you know, there's, there's other examples as well where you, you, you can ride that wave and, and use that momentum and, and suddenly you're knocking on the door of the Premier League, which is exactly where Bolton wants to be again. So whilst I, I, I get your point and I like the idea of winning every week, I, I'd just like to go and win every week in the Championship and keep this, keep this thing going because historically Bolton Wanderers are not a third-tier club and, and I don't think anybody really at the club wants to get comfortable at this level. Uh, next email um, is from Alan. And Alan says, uh, the jury is out on Randall Williams. Um, hi, Mark. Um, he knows that Henry's not here, so there we go. Uh, thanks for all your hard work today. I assume he's talking about uh, transfer deadline. Um, it's been better than a self-assessment deadline day blog. Spoilers, I don't use Twitter. Uh, fair enough. Uh, that sounds great, though. Uh, self-assessment deadline day blog. Um, anyway, one of the most pleasing things for me coming out of January could be the re-emergence of Declan John. I'm happy with all the signings, but one I'm not 100% on is Randall Williams, just simply because of the end product. But I'm sure that will come with fitness and sharpness. But with Iredale out and Beck gone, I think John could be a very important player for us from now on, if he starts on the left, with Williams' pace to come on or vice versa. I like the pace and composure he's added to the squad. Um, I, I'm gonna, I, we talk elsewhere on this podcast about uh, both Declan John and Randall Williams, but I will add this, that I think Randall Williams has been signed with the view to being the number one left wing back. 
it is just a matter of time before he gets up to speed. Now, don't forget, he had a really big injury um, at the end of his time against Hull and was promised football after that, which never really materialised. I think he ended up getting about six games for them in total. So he's never really had that, that run-up that you need, those kind of... those regular build-up of games um, and I, I think he was left behind as well when the championship came to a halt and, and Hull went abroad to uh, to do a warm weather training camp so it's been a very funny season for him I think we probably won't know what kind of player he is until the start of next season um, which is why I think it is important to, to get Declan John to a stage where he's happy with his football and he's, he's playing well because I think it'd be it would be a bit of a waste, I think, uh, if Bolton had just severed ties in January and said, right, well, you know, bye-bye, um, considering what, what they've put into Declan John. And, and it's good. I think he, he does look like he's enjoying himself now. So uh, fingers crossed that continues. Um, but I do think there's plenty more to come from, from Williams. Uh, third and final email is from Tim. Uh, hi Mark and Henry, thank you for the weekly podcast, I enjoy listening to them on a Friday whilst out walking in the new forest nearby, thank you, oh, that sounds good um, yes, with all the talk of transfers at the moment, uh, there is one point you can perhaps clarify, until recently there was the fair play policy uh, in whereby teams can only spend within their means what has happened to that is no one seems to talk about it um, so I'll, I'll take that, they've got another point to make but I'll take that, there's still um there are still spending policies in League One and Two. Um, it's it's a it's like a salary protocol where you can spend a certain percentage of your turnover. Um, they are within the rules. Um, you don't have the same salary cap as was voted in during lockdown, which was very stringent, and I think Bolton had particular problems with that at the time. Uh, but there are still fair play to a degree in Leagues One and Two, not to the same principles as there is uh, further up the ladder um mind you they're well out the window aren't they let's face it good grief just look what chelsea have been doing but um yeah you are allowed to spend a certain amount of your uh, turnover now for clubs like bolton with a very decent turnover that's quite a lot of money um and when bolton talk about sustainability they don't talk about try they, they try or they are trying to bring that closer to what they spend to within what they make um, they're not there yet by all accounts literally by all accounts their last set of accounts showed there was about a £6 million uh, downfall or shortfall rather um, hopefully that uh, bridge is better this time around we're waiting for those accounts to come out and I'm quite looking forward to seeing them because I'm quite hopeful that Football Ventures will have closed that gap and started to move the club towards where they want it to be um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen 100% until they get into the Premier League. Fingers crossed that happens, but we shall see. Um, it goes back to what the, the previous emailer was talking about, investment. I think they're going to have to find people who are willing to you know, invest in their journey and, and, and get them through the Championship to be able to make that money at the back end on the Premier League. Uh, you have another point, though, and that's uh, when we play away against teams who play in a white shirt, is there any particular practice in preparation of a game so that the players do not automatically, by first instinct, pass the ball to a white shirt? We've just played Derby, who play in white, and before that, we must have had at least three games in our white shirts. So how does the team prepare to play against team playing in white shirts? Maybe you could ask Ian Everett. This has always puzzled me. 
Um, I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> That's not going to be my leading question, Tim, I'll be honest with you. But, but um, I did do a little bit of research for you. So Bolton have played against teams away from home. Uh, who were wearing a white shirt on four occasions, Derby being the most recent, as you say, lost that game 2-1. Um, they played Port Vale, 10 men, of course, drew 0-0. They played against Tranmere in the uh, Papa John's Trophy. They drew that game 2-all and then lost on penalties. Um, but they did beat MK Dons 2-0, and they play in white as well. Um, I would imagine that once you get to professional level, you are not necessarily conditioned to just picking out one colour shirt. That, that's that's how my reading of it, at least. Uh, I think you'd probably um, you'd probably be looking for teammates and 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 patterns and of play and that kind of thing. And and you, the amount of talking that goes on down there, you are in left in no doubt where your teammates are most of the time. Um, so I would hope that that never comes into. Uh, into fruition um, he does say finally great to see six points this week following the dad results and great to see these days more direct teams uh, more direct football rather at times um, now we have some more physical presence with Victor and Callum uh, thank you very much Tim so uh, he also says by the way uh, sometimes I listen to the other Wanderers podcast but believe you me uh, there's more polish with your Wanderers podcast um, yeah, we're, all, we're all about the polish, Tim, this week. I don't know whether you've noticed, but uh, yes, you're allowed to watch other Wondrous podcasts or, or listen to other po Wondrous podcasts. It's allowed. It's not a problem to me. As long as you come back and you listen to the buff every single week and you give us five stars. Doesn't worry me in the slightest. OK, it's back to the football this weekend. Cheltenham Town at home. Let's get the crystal ball out, Henry. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time! It's time to pick the team. Now, difficult. Mm. <laughs> difficult. Um, have you seen enough of any of the new boys to say they should be pushing for a start, for example? Um, I, yeah, I'd be age. I mean, if Shortai was injured last week, then maybe. He's going to rest him this week. Um, maybe it's better for him to come off the bench, you know, in case where it's nil nil or we're one nil down and we need to to uh, get a goal. So I think uh, I think he'd, he'd start with Charles and Adibiage or maybe Jerome. Who knows? But um, but yeah, I think that's really. I don't think. Well, it all depends on Johnston, which, of course, we know as this podcast goes out because you've just, well, your brother's just told us what's up with him. Twin brother, uh, uh, Mick, yeah. 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 Uh, so we, I, we, I, I can't comment on defence at the moment. Maybe uh, Mick can later, but um, I don't think the other new lad will play. Maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. What about you? Do you see, um, do you see any of them playing? Well, I, I, I would suspect that George Johnson's injury is is severe enough for him not to play. So I would imagine that Mbete may make a debut. Um, that would be my my hunch. I, I suspect it's probably not as bad as, uh, you know, several weeks, but I imagine that Mbete has been brought in for a reason, a, a player of of quality to be able to step in. Um, but as far as the up front, I mean, I think Adbejo did enough to suggest he can start. And we know Cheltenham can be quite robust. They're quite uh, quite a strong team, so it's that kind of game that I would imagine he would suit. Um, 
you wouldn't drop Charles for and and love money. And I don't think you change any of your midfield three either. Really, the the Dempsey, Morley, Lee, Triumvirate have been doing really well recently. So, I think you're only tinker around the edges. We talked about Declan before. I I would assume he'd start on the left hand side. So, I think there's your there's your team really. I think we've managed to pick it um, to to beat Cheltenham. Jerome has been put up for the press. I will say that sometimes that's a little hint. And uh, the the thing is with Cameron Jerome is obviously he's been playing for Luton in the Championship quite quite regularly as a substitute, but he's been you know he's been in contention. Um, so he's ready to roll. It's not as if he's you know one of these free transfers that Bolton have signed of yore that are going to take three or four months to get up to speed. I think he could go, he could go straight in as well. And um, I thought he looked quite good when he came on. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think that's where we're at, at the moment. We have got all these options, which is great. And to be honest, that rounds off nicely our question before: as how have we had a successful transfer window? Mm. Well, just by what we've just said, you'd probably say yes. Will we have a successful Saturday? Though that's the question. Yeah, of course we will. We'll beat Cheltenham. You having a you having a score prediction? Um, three nil. And if and Lunda lose on the bench, he'll come off and score. I would love Lundelow to get a chance. Yes, it was a really poorly timed injury, wasn't it? And it'd be good to see him uh, play against Cheltenham. Um, quite uh, quite impressed with him. I spoke to the young man a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes, right. Well, I mean, I'm going to go for... Ugh, I was just going to wrap up the show then without giving you a score prediction. But I'm going to say it's going to be marginally tighter than that. I think Cheltenham are... Um, they're, well, they're my team, aren't they? Let's face it. Um, I'm going to go for 2-1. I don't want to be too hard on them. Um, I'll give him a goal, but as long as Bolton get three points, it doesn't matter too much to me. It makes my week easier. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pretty confident Bolton will win. And then obviously you've got Peterborough in uh, the week after that, so that's going to be a, a tough one. They're going to need to keep this run going. Yeah, they will. And Peterborough's just signed a, a new striker as well, so uh, it'll be the battle of the new strikers. Yeah, and you can say his name next week, uh, live, live and exclusive, because <laughs> I ain't. And Bolton have been linked with him about 10 times, and I've been quite worried about it. But uh, no, he's, uh, yeah, a, a very typical Peterborough signing as well, isn't he? One of those that's scored a lot of goals in non-league, and you suspect will be worth about 7 million quid in a couple of years' time. Yeah, well, hopefully we can have a few of those as well. Right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. It's another bumper episode and one that I'm not looking forward to assembling together. Sorry if there were any sound issues earlier in the episode and sorry that Henry had to break off the emails because, quite frankly, I was having trouble hearing him. So, fingers crossed we can fix them and it won't sound too bad. Uh, lovely to hear from my twin brother and sound like Mick as well. Um, our roving reporter, Mick, will be at the press conference for us every single week to bring us the absolute latest uh, to the podcast so we don't miss out on anything uh, me uh, mark that is uh, and henry will be back again next friday all ready to take on the posh so keep sending your emails and your discussion points i read every single one and i try to get back to every single one as well if you need a reminder for the email it's the buff mail at gmail.com mail m-a-i-l and until next week i've been mark at least my internet is working aisles and I've been Henry Hewitt. See you later. And brilliantly, your email, your mic actually started crackling as well. As <laughs> um, so we did that. Perfect timing, as normal. Anyway, this may or may not have been the buff. <laughs> <laughs>